Hello, beautiful, and welcome to Finding Fertility. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Fertility with your host, Monica Cox, me from findingfertility.co. Now, just a quick announcement before we get to the episode. I just want to shout out a big well done to everyone who's completed the 10-day challenge. This is the last day of the challenge, and I just wanted to say that I'm super proud of you. I know how hard it is to start these new commitments, and I really, really, truly hope that you can continue on with these new practices that you've put into your life. They're going to make a huge difference, not only to your fertility journey, but your whole life journey. Well done, lady. I'm super stoked for you. Now, today I'm super excited. We have a special guest on. It's Dr. Ben Lynch. He is the best-selling author of Dirty Jeans. He's also the president of Seeking Health, a company that helps educate both the public and health professionals on how to overcome genetic dysfunction. He received his doctorate He received his doctorate in naturopathic medicine from Bastyr University. Probably pronounced that really wrong, sorry. And he lives in Seattle, Washington with his wife and three sons. Now we are going to get dirty on this episode. Uh, I guess the the punt is uh, there with dirty jeans, but we're going to go really deep into why it's super important to take control over your health before you do an IUI or an IVF and not just rely on the medical assistant. Now, if you need it, it is great. We're super excited that it's there, but we really want to highlight the importance of doing, you know, even about 50% or 80% of improving your life, improving your diet, improving your lifestyle. So it benefits not only your pregnancy, but the future health of your child. So without further ado, let's get to the episode. So this is Dr. Ben Lynch. If you do not know him, he is the author of Dirty Jeans. His book is right here. Um, he is, is it all right to say the godfather of epigenetics or <laughs> very wise in the field of epigenetics? Yeah, I, I think that's a bit grandiose, but but uh, I, I will say I'm, I'm, I'm well versed in epigenetics. I'm not the godfather. Yeah. So... I wanted you on the podcast because there is something really kind of true to my heart about really changing up diet and lifestyle before you do any kind of medical procedure. Um, And I was really interested in listening to you that you have said that you and your wife would have changed things up um, if you would have known about epigenetics before you started trying to conceive. But in my research of you, it's not like you and your wife were macking down McDonald's or (laughs) had an incredibly unhealthy lifestyle. So um, I was wondering if it's okay if you can share a bit about you and your wife's uh, diet, your lifestyle during those trying to conceive years. In terms of our lifestyle, yeah, you're right. I mean, we we led a pretty healthy lifestyle in terms of what we ate. Um, the environment may have been a different thing. Uh, my wife grew up in a, you know, really, really remote uh, areas of, of Russia, uh, lead everywhere, asbestos everywhere, heavy metals, pervasive, um, chemical plants, what have you. 
Um, in fact, we're doing heavy metal chelation with her right now, and, and uh, she's got a number of stuff going on in there. Uh, in terms of me, uh, I grew up on a horse ranch in Central Oregon from my childhood, and I sprayed Roundup like it was water. I mean, it was everywhere. Um, you know, it was a 100-acre horse ranch, and I, was, I had the backpack sprayer on my back at age 12, uh, you know, hauling five gallons around uh, of Roundup in tennis shoes and shorts um, on somewhat windy days, spraying Roundup on Canadian thistle, and I did that for years. Wow. Um, so not good. Yeah. Um, so I would have, I would have sounded more, I would have done chelations, uh, then I would let the chelations settle probably for about three months prior to conceiving. And I would have, um, you know, taken way better prenatals than my wife had access to, um, you know, folate didn't really exist in supplements back in those days. Uh, but now we have access to that and I would have increased choline as well because choline deficiency is huge and vitamin A also. Okay, so really just detoxing the body before starting to try to conceive. And that can kind of go along with all the, you know, if you are eating all the processed food, it's it's similar thing, isn't it? It builds up in your body. It, you know, causes issues with your genes. Yep, for sure. Okay. Wow. Yeah, well, that wasn't in my research. I've, I just kind of assumed, you know, um, a more holistic lifestyle for the both on a ranch and <laughs> in Russia. So yeah. It's well, yeah. I mean, I mean, everywhere has its ups and downs. I mean, the ranch life was amazing. I mean, we had extremely well. <laughs> uh, uh, back up, I was going to say fresh air. Um, we had crop dusters <laughs> flying over our home. It was a very uh, agricultural area, and and we literally, I could watch from my bedroom uh, the the little plane coming through, and he it was an open cockpit and he would drop rocks with ribbons um, to, to know where he was playing and he would dive down on our property to start spraying the next. Um, so exposures are real and they're, they're everywhere, no matter where you live. Uh, you just, it's just awareness and a, a really good website for people to be aware of. Um, oh my gosh. Come on, Ben. Yeah. Um, it, it'll hit me. It, yeah, that's okay. Me. Stay tuned. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And so um, with linking, because I think a, a lot of people don't link their childhood with their issues that they're having now. Um, can mm -hmm. you explain how greatly important? I mean, your wife's still dealing with issues. I mean, how long has she been away from Russia at this point? Uh, well, I, I, I met her in, in 98, the New Year's of 98. And the moment her parents saw me, they're like, oh, we're going to lose our daughter. <laughs> um, and they were right. Um, so she's been here for, for 20 years plus, um, but heavy metals, they, they don't stay in your blood. And a lot of doctors, uh, do heavy metal testing incorrectly. What they do is they do a blood test and they, they say, you know, oh, your heavy metals are fine. Uh, if you have high blood, uh, metals, then you have acute exposure, whether from sushi or, you know, paint chips or your, your job or what have you, that's, that's an immediate exposure. Uh, your body doesn't want heavy metals in the blood, so it'll, it'll store lead in your bones, uh, mercury inside your cells. Uh, it loves fat, so it can go right in your brain. Um, it's out of circulation, though, so you need to do a chelation. Um, but yeah, they stay there. Um, and, uh, you know, ladies, you, you have, um, you know, estrogen levels, and when your estrogen levels drop, uh, your bones become uh, more brittle, and you start dumping more lead. And when you're pregnant, uh, you are using up a lot of calcium because your baby is, is, you know, growing bones. 
and other you know, organs and tissues, which demand a lot of calcium. So if you're not getting sufficient calcium, what's happening during pregnancy is, is you are losing calcium from your bones uh, at the expense of your, your bone strength, but also to preserve the integrity of, of the developing baby. Because um, nature is, you know, determined that you can lose some calcium from your bones and be okay, but the the, the problem is you're going to be dumping lead at the same time. Yeah. Um, what's the best test for um, this then? Yeah, I I, uh, I don't know where it is at the moment. My wife has got it, but I would show you uh, doctor's data. Um, doctor's data testing is is who I recommend and use, and I've been using them for years. And uh, you basically do a, a urinary catch. You, you pee in a, a orange bucket um, that they provide you. And then um, after you do that, then you can uh, take oral chelators like um, DMSA, which I don't think is available anymore, or um, EDTA or do IV uh, DMPS, which a lot of doctors do. Um, and uh, IV is, is kind of the way to go, um, but you have to be careful. Did you guys ever feel like really sick during, you know, before you were trying to conceive? Was it ever like in your mind, like, oh, we've been exposed to these things. Maybe we should think about them. Uh, I was ignorant. Um, you know, I, I did, you know, landscape design and construction, um, you know, prior to utilizing my pre-med degree. Um, so, you know, I started that in undergrad and then, you know, I grew up on the ranch and in a very, uh, conventional family. My mom is an OBGYN, uh, retired. Um, so I grew up in that environment of medications. Um, my wife has been struggling with juvenile uh, rheumatoid arthritis since she was 17. Um, and she's had Hashimoto's as well. Um, in fact, she's just calling me. Sorry, my, <laughs> sorry, now okay. I just hung up on my wife, which is a big <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, so but if she was on my Instagram, she would know, but she doesn't use Instagram. But anyway, yeah. she, no, she, she was horrible uh, when she was 17. I mean, she was really, really bad. She was one of the top runners in Estonia um, for the 400-meter hurdles and 200-meter hurdles. Um, but uh, the RA just came and grabbed her. Nowadays, she's doing great, but the aftermath is, was tremendous. Um, and then she did have flare-ups. Um, you know, when you're pregnant and you have autoimmune disease, it, the hormones... Um, tend to uh, improve for rheumatoid arthritis and your histamine metabolism also increases because the placenta increases an enzyme called DAO. So the histamine levels start really dropping. Um, so your allergies get better, your histamine intolerance gets better, your digestion gets better and all those things got better. The problem is when she started breastfeeding, breastfeeding is really, really pro-inflammatory and uh, it, that really destroyed her, but she, she did it for the sake of our kids. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like that's a lot of people. Um, it is just, we don't have that knowledge how important it is to change up these things. And so we don't do them. But um, I think nowadays there's a lot more information out there for women to be able to take care of themselves. Um, when you started researching epigenetics, I know that you saw the video of the two rats and you were blown away by it. It kind of changed your whole course of your career. Did you have any immediate thoughts towards your family and how that might have affected your boys, you know, you and your wife's health um, towards your boys? That's a good question. Um... Yeah, not immediately. Um, immediately, I, I put my hands on the table and, and I 
I, I slammed the table and I said, that's what I want to do. Um, literally. And I forgot my chair was on wheels. <laughs> I slammed myself behind in the <laughs> shelf behind me. Um, I get pretty wound up sometimes. Um, but, but, you know, it was it, after that, I was kind of like, Oh crap. Sorry, kids. You know, I, I could have done better for you. Um, you know, but, but thankfully they're, they're, you know, we did have a, a generally healthy life and, and our genes weren't that terribly dirty. Um, and we conceived without even trying. Um, so, you know, things, things were, were good in that area. So, um, but I, I look back nowadays and, and I do see things with my boys that could have been improved, but Hey, you know, my wife and I both have glasses and bad eyesight. Both of our boys, all of our boys have great vision. Great vision. And and you don't really see that. Yeah. It's not, it's one of those things because it's not set in stone, right? You can't, you can't say you can be absolutely perfect and your child will be perfect. It just doesn't work like that. And you see people, I mean, especially in the infertility world all the time who are really sick or use drugs or are drunk and get pregnant with ease. It's, um, genetics and epigenetics is still, um, correct me if I'm wrong, still very unknown and there's no set in stone. Oh, very, very, very raw still, extremely raw. You know, a lot of women who have infertility, especially unexplained infertility, are being sent directly to do IVF. That's how I was. They couldn't find a reason. And so they were like, we'll just try IVF. And IVF was never going to solve my issue because I had um, high natural killer cells. So IVF only exposed that we were making really crappy embryos. (laughs) And that's where we started our journey that we improved our health and we got better embryos, but it's still, I still needed a lot of work. Um, So just going off of um, talking about clean genes and dirty genes, you know, you talk about there's a difference um, between um, being born with um, maybe a genetic, you know, snip, um, and then having your genes act dirty. Now, can parents acting dirty genes be passed on to the child? 100%. Yes, very much so. Uh, and in fact, I, I, I haven't talked about this very much because I'm, I'm, I'm still learning about it, but there's something called translational epigenetics. And translational epigenetics is when you translate or tr- you know, your epigenome to your child. So that's been looked at in war zones, um, you know, babies who are uh, in the womb of, of mothers uh, in a war zone uh, are born more acutely aware of their surroundings right? Makes sense. Um, Babies who are in the womb of mothers who are starving um, are born with thrifty genes, meaning that they, uh, when they get a calorie, they hold on to it and and they they will survive and thrive longer uh, in an area of famine. Um, The problem is that that famine is over and now they become more prone to diabetes and they're they're very prone to weight gain. So those are two real examples of, of what can happen. Um, and then anxiety is another huge one, um, especially if women are taking anxiolytic medications. Is, is you know that that can pass on, um, and smoking you know does a whole heap of issues. Um, so is alcohol, obviously. Um, but um, you know, infertility in IVF treatments are are really 
you know, one, it's, it's an amazing technology and I think it's fantastic for, for, uh, for people. I think it's wonderfully, uh, you know, used uh, in some situations. I think it's overused in many other types. The problem with IVF is, you know, you can have translational epigenetics and that too, the child can inherit the infertility of the parents. Mm-hmm. So kids or, you know, babies are, are born infertile. So now when they want to have children or you want to have grandchildren, those dirty genes are persisting and, uh, you know, now they're struggling to get pregnant. Yeah, exactly. I once had a friend tell me they knew that we were struggling and um, she, you know, I told her, I was like, I'm really glad my journey's panned out the way it has because now I can improve my children's health. And she said, well, it would be okay if you had a sick child. At least you have a child. Surely we should switch our view of let's do the best we can for our children. If we yeah. do have a sick child, then we'll deal with it and we'll love the child just the same. But we would never want to just force that onto them. No, and it's not fair. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's fair to the child. They don't have a choice in the matter. Um, you know, if, if that child had a choice, um, you know, some, some illnesses and, you know, they're okay, you know. Uh, you know, I know some uh, women with children uh, who have Down syndrome and, and the kids are phenomenal. They're great kids um, and they wouldn't change it for the world, you know, and that, that was, you know, that's just something that happened during, you know, development. And, but then there's other things where maybe the, you know, the child is missing an arm or a leg and they can go on to be phenomenal too. Um, you know, and, and the children are, are really, really resist, resilient mm. and adaptive, um, but I, I think it is our, our responsibility to do the best that we can uh, for our future children. Yeah. And now we have the knowledge, right? Yes, you know, exactly. 10, yeah. 20 years ago, we didn't. Um, now I feel like right. we don't have very many excuses. It really comes down to um, not wanting to do it you know, we're not being mentally able to take on these hard challenges because it is hard to live a certain lifestyle to improve your situation where you're, when you're watching other people smoke and drink and get pregnant. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll give a, a, a real life story that's going on right now. You know, I'm trying to help a friend, um, you know, get pregnant and he's a very, very successful individual. His wife is extremely successful. Um, you know, he's, he's, uh, writing a a book that's going to be probably a New York times bestseller. Uh, they're infertile. And, um, you know, he he goes, well, this year I really want to launch my book and, and, and have a baby. And, um, you know, sometimes when they're two big decisions like that, you got to pick one, you know, you chase two rabbits, you get one uh, or none rather. Um, so, you know, I texted him that, you know, I said, have you done the labs that I requested? No, busy traveling, you know, getting ready for the book launch. And, I was like, man, I, I, I'm just going to say it flat out. I said, you, when you told me that you were going to launch a book and, you know, get over your fertility, um, and this, this year, I was like, you're, I, I know you're a go-getter dude, but, uh, <laughs> you know, there's some things that you got to slow down. Flying, um, is tremendously dirty for the genes. It's, it's very, very toxic. Um, and he's on an airplane constantly. Yeah, my husband's an airline pilot, and I tried to do yeah. my best with trying to detox him. But yep. um, so with IVF, and in my case, and for a lot of people now, autoimmune was and kind of still is like a unproven science linked to infertility. Some doctors don't believe it. Some doctors um, are 
won't prescribe the medication that you need to use to suppress your immune system. Um, these are like steroids, interlipids, clexane. Um, I've done them before. I know what it feels like to be on steroids. It's absolutely insane. Um, what is the potential harm to our unborn, unborn children when we as mothers are taking these drugs in the first three months of their lives? I mean, the first three months of development is absolutely insane. Yeah. And I think this is why some doctors won't prescribe it because there's not evidence of the long-term effects of these drugs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm just going to preface, I don't know. Um, yeah. You know, I, I've, I've read research that talks about, um, you know, early, uh, you know, elevated cortisol exposures in children, um, you know, and they're going to be more prone to stressors. They're probably going to be more prone to obesity. They're probably going to be more prone to immune suppression. Um, and, and their genes will adapt to that. Um, I'm sure the research is already out there. I just haven't read it. Um, but I will read it uh, yeah. at some point. Um, but you're absolutely right. You know, the things like, you know, anti-seizure meds, um, mm -hmm. you know, are taken during pregnancy. And that's a folate issue. Um, big, big issue. Um, but, you know, monoamine uh, oxidase inhibitors, MAO-A inhibitors, SSRIs, um, cholesterol-lowering meds, um, you know, you can go on and on and on. Um, you know, the only, well, my, my understanding of meds needed for IVF and, and high-risk pregnancies are, are not the best. Um, you know, but I will say that, um, you know, Lovenox and aspirin for, for clotting risks, um, you know, yeah, I would, I would do those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's just, um, it's just an interesting conversation out there in the world. Um, you know, I have, a, I had an OBGYN once laugh at me and told me that it was unproven science. And I was just like, well, I don't necessarily feel that you have to have all this data to understand that the whole body works together. And if something's out of whack, that can trickle down to your fertility. Well, and the, you know, anytime a, a person says there's unproven science, well, well no shit. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, there's heaps of amount of, of unproven science. And, um, but, you know, there's, there's many things that you can think about, um, you know, that don't need to be proven by science. And, and what is science proving anyway, uh, when they're looking at one or two variables and the human body has a bazillion variables going on at the same time, um, and they're constantly changing to the environment. Um, so I, you, you got to look at research and proven science with really, uh, you know, as a guidepost, not as, you know, a, an ultimate, um, this is how it works. It doesn't, it's not that, doesn't work that way. And, and as a health professional for many years working with patients, I can tell you over and over again that these proven accepted, you know, things found in the medical research do not apply to 100% of humans. They do not, not even close. Yeah, exactly. And we're all so different. You know, we have to take different approaches. I mean, through your book, you talk about that a lot, that you cannot just pinpoint one little thing and attack that thing. There's a whole spectrum of things that you need to take in and address and live your life according to how your genes are telling you not to live. <laughs> mm -hmm. For sure. You know, 
a lot of people have these abnormal genes. They know they have them like the DHCR7 gene. You know, both parent has it. It's a one in four chance you passing it on to the child. So they are doing IVF, which is fair enough to figure out whether or not that embryo has that gene. And then they decide whether or not they want to proceed with that embryo. But I'm seeing a lot of people just not improve their situation through diet and lifestyle because they think I have this gene. There's nothing I can do about it. Right. No big deal. Exactly. Right. So what's your advice to them when they do have this gene? They, they cannot change it. But What's the benefits of changing everything else? Everything else in terms of? Like diet, lifestyle to improve. Oh, well, first of all, uh, I'm going to claim ignorance on that particular gene. What's this function? <laughs> oh, God, I don't know. It, um, it does, if both parents have it, it can be passed to the child and it's a life-threatening issue. I think the abbreviation is SLOS. Um, so it's just okay. a, a big genetic um issue i can't really explain uh, but it's a it's a genetic issue that you you can't uh you know if they inherit it it's it's high it's risk and yeah and it's done. Yeah. yeah like some yeah. children um die early on some can live um a few years and you know have um you know need medical assistance and all that kind of stuff so it's a gene that poses a really big um quality of life issue for the child but right. the parent can't get rid of it, right? You can't clean right. that gene up. You have it. Yeah, that that particular gene is is going to be an odds. Uh, it's an odds game, and uh, I'm not a gambler. But you know that that one is appears to be a gambling one. Um, now, does that mean you just kind of give up and say that my child has you know a one in four chance of of, of getting these things? Uh, no, you you proceed through uh, your pregnancy just like you know. The, you would otherwise if you didn't know that information, and and let me let me interject a, a little bit of some you know my opinion on some of these preconception um, pregnancy planning genetic tests. Um, I don't like them. Um, I I now if you have a very high risk um, family history and you you're really really concerned about passing something on to your child, I can understand that, especially if your partner. Uh, it also comes from a, the same situation. Um, that then I can see that being a factor. You know, general uh, individuals who do not have that, you know, in genetic inheritance. Um, I think those types of tests are a real downer, and I, I think that they they enhance. Uh, well, enhance is the wrong word. They significantly increase uh, stress during the pregnancy, which is now reducing the blood flow and, and nutrients to the baby which is giving a, a suboptimal uh, pregnancy, uh, pregnancy. So I am not a fan of doing genetic testing, looking for genetic associated uh, diseases that could be passed on to the kids. Um, you know, Council is one, C-O-U-N-S-Y-L. I, I just not a fan. Are they a bad company? No, you know, they're doing a service for some people for sure. But um, I, I know for a fact, I, I would not order that for my wife and I. Yeah. Conceive again. Yeah. I mean, it is very much a personal choice. Um, but is there a benefit? Like, say, you know, you have this gene already, right? You've done the testing, you know, but you kind of just give up on diet and lifestyle because you feel like, well, there's no point. I have this gene. So that child might have it, might not have it. Is there well, a benefit of improving your diet and lifestyle, even though you, your child might have this gene? Would, you know, improving their other genes? Yeah, for sure. Them? 
Absolutely, 100%. Um, you know, if, if, you know, there's a one in four chance of you passing this gene on to, to your child, you know, there, I'm assuming there's severity with one allele to two alleles. Um, so if they get one allele, then they're, you know, probably, you know, not as bad. If they get two, they're probably worse. Um, so let's say you pass both of them on to your kid. And, you know, history shows that, you know, it's gonna, this child's going to struggle. Um, you know, if you optimize your pregnancy, the child is going to struggle way less. Um, you know, they'll probably live longer. They'll live better. Um, will they completely uh, avoid the, the dire situation? Probably not. Um, but, uh, you know, it will improve. I have uh, friends of mine and colleagues who have children with Down syndrome. And their children are doing extremely well in their teenagers. And then you look at other children with Down syndrome, and they're really, really struggling. They can barely do anything. And they go to the doctor, and the doctor says, oh, they have Down syndrome. That's why they're struggling. That's no, it's not, not, that's not right. They have other things going on, and, and yeah. they just have medical neglect. Yes. So I would put everything in for your pregnancy to, you know, regardless of, of what's going to be uh, passed on, just go for it. Yeah, exactly. Um, in regards to you, like not really being a big fan of testing for these genetic issues, how do you feel about the modern technology that is coming out with, you know, egg freezing and testing your, you know, your fertility at home, and then making those, you know, decisions based on one at home test? Do you have any thoughts towards that? Uh, a test is a snapshot in time. Yeah. And, and tests are only as good as the people who have created it, and they're only as good as, as identifying, um, you know, what they think is, is accurate. So, you know, if, if people are doing a testing of any type, um, you're, you're at the, the whim of whatever that company thinks is important. Um, and then you're also at the whim of, of quality controls and standards and, and, you know, potential errors. So if you're making a huge decision, or, you know, like that's going to be a changing your entire life family, uh, family life, then then uh, I would be very, very careful, especially if it's an at-home test. Some at-home tests are great. Um, you know, molds can be useful, but a mold at-home test is going to miss a lot of other molds. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I'm not a fan of, of oversimplification when it comes to pregnancy. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to back up in two and also saying if, if you're going to do genetic testing because you want to optimize your pregnancy, um, I totally get that, and I would absolutely do that myself. I just would not order genetic tests that are looking at inheritable uh, genetic issues, you know, like hemolytic anemias or, or you know, you know, uh, mitochondrial apathies. You know, I, I just wouldn't look at that. But I would be looking at um, genes that are very common in the population that do have some order of magnitude of, of contributing to, um, you know, being having born dirty genes. Maybe you're not producing enough choline. Maybe you're not eliminating histamine very well. These things really, really contribute to pregnancy issues. And if you know what the weaknesses are for you and your partner, then you can optimize them very easily and efficiently um, through lifestyle, diet, environmental changes, and, and targeted supplementation. Yeah, 100%. And it's really just educating people that they need to find what's right for them. And we can't go to one website and get all the answers. Right, for sure. Um, I'm probably, I'm sure you're like, you know, blue in the face of talking about folic acid, but I still see it all the time with the people I work with that they bring me a multivitamin and I always have to double check it to see if there's the synthetic form of folic acid. Excuse me. <clears throat> Can you just tell, you know, the viewers right now, the importance of 
eliminating as much as possible the synthetic form of folic acid? Yeah, so there's folate and there's folic acid and, 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 and people think that they're, the, they're one and the same and they're not. You know, it's, it's like saying that, you know, you're, you know a, a pickup truck is a, is a Tesla Model X. You know, it, they're different um, in a big way. Um, but even worse, the synthetic folic acid has no uh, function in the human body at all. It has zero function. It gets in the way. Um, it's, it's like a traffic jam. You know, if, if you're driving if your car down the freeway and there's cones all over the, you know, the lane, you know, you're going to have to sweet, swerve and around them or you're going to have to slow down and it's going to alter your ability to get from point A to point B. Folic acid does the same thing. It gets in the way of your good, healthy forms of folate and it, it interferes with natural, what's called folate metabolism. So your ability to grow a healthy embryo, embryo um, and a you know, healthy baby really is, is altered. And there was research that just came out this year that showed that folic acid has not improved neural tube defects. In fact, what's the, the neural tube defect improvement from quote unquote folic acid um, or improve, quote unquote for improvement um, is, is because people were already mindful in making some changes um, and it wasn't because of the folic acid. And this was a huge study done. Um, so folic acid did possibly do its service uh, and help some people. But nowadays we, we have natural folates that are readily available um, in the marketplace. When I was pregnant with our three, my wife and I were pregnant with our three boys, not me. Um, uh, she only had access to folic acid. That was only the thing was around nowadays. Now you all have a choice. And the choice is, do you take folic acid? Because, you know, public health says so in American uh, College of Genetic whatever they're called, uh, says MTHFR isn't a problem, go ahead and take folic acid. Uh, no, it's nonsense. Um, you know, so avoid folic acid, uh, like you're trying to avoid the coronavirus, and um, you know, just utilize good natural folates. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. And hopefully all this information will eventually be normal, right? Like it will be normalized and we won't have to have these um, talks about that. Yeah. And, and until things are normal, anytime you have uh, change, there's going to be significant resistance. And if you, you look through history, some things are, are you're just going to be really, really a battle. And, you know, I hope public health comes around. I, I hope they realize that folic acid is garbage. And, I, and, and it's not like they made a mistake. I'm not, I'm not blaming them. There's just something better nowadays. Yeah. And you use folinic acid and you use, or you use methylfolate or even better yet, you use the combination of the two. And ladies, you know, if my phone does uh, go kaput and, and die, <laughs> um, you know, I, you, you will be releasing uh, this interview uh, in March sometime, right? Yeah, it will be live on my Instagram for the next 24 hours. And then at the end of the March, um, it will be um, on the podcast. So yeah, I'll let everyone know. Yeah, good. And um, so it's, there's, there's a lot to this. And, and uh, you know, in, in terms of pregnancy, I, I've got an article on mtgfr.net. Um, it's called mtgfr and pregnancy, I believe. Or you just go to mtgfr.net and you click the link at the very top, mtgfr and pregnancy. There's, there's videos there about folic acid. Um, and, and why you shouldn't use it. There's research. I'm citing research. I'm not making this stuff up. I'm very, very careful about not, not making things up. If I don't know, I say I don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for your time. And I know you're a busy guy and coming on and sharing all this wise information. Thank you for your book and everything that you're doing to help improve our children's lives. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, I have a great pregnancies, all of you and, and uh, have fantastic children and great life because there's nothing better than being a parent. Oh, thanks. And we'll put all your links and where people can contact you, how to buy their, your book, everything in the show notes as well. Yeah, sounds good. Right. Take care. Thanks, Dr. Ben Lynch. Bye. Yeah, bye-bye.